Nightlife with Philip Clark on ABC Radio. Yes, becoming pregnant, having children. It's a wonderful thing if you choose to do so, of course, and if you're ready and able psychologically and physically and financially to take on the responsibility of a child, then that is wonderful. But what if you're not, and for whatever reason, you don't want to become pregnant, or if you are, don't want to proceed with birth? In her long career as a doctor, Deborah Bateson's pretty much encountered all there is to encounter when it comes to contraception and abortion. She's these days Professor of Practice at the University of Sydney's Faculty of Medicine and Health, but for many years was Medical Director of Family Planning New South Wales, who also did a stint as the Global Medical Director of Mari Stopes International and has worked for over 25 years as a clinician and researcher and educator and also advocate in sexual and reproductive health. So you might, it might be said she knows a bit. All right, she's with us tonight. If you'd like to consult her white experience, one three hundred eight hundred triple two is my number. Text zero four six seven nine double two seven zero two. We're also here to discuss the ongoing question, I suppose, of where men best fit into contraceptive decision making. Where is the elusive male pill anyway? We kept hearing about it and excitedly reporting developments. Then radio silence. Uh, anyway. What is the latest? Deborah, good evening and welcome to Nightlife. Thank you, Philip. A pleasure to be here. Very good to have you with us as well. We can discuss all the tricky stuff. Uh, first, I mean, with us, let's start with the basics. What, these days, what works? <laughs> so there, it is hard to keep up, I have to say. There's yeah. a lot of new methods. But when we think about how contraceptive works and what works, it's good to think about how often does someone have to do something to make it work because mm. that makes it more effective if you have to do less. If you've got to do something a lot of the time, then it's going to make it, you know, there's room for error. So the most effective methods are, well, permanent methods. You've talked about male, you know, vasectomy, tubal sterilisation. Let's it's talk done. about blokes in a minute. We'll okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so women, mm. long-acting reversible contraceptives, that's the word. So LARC, we call them. So that's IU. IUDs and implants, and those are methods so the IUD can stay in for in the uterus for up to ten years. Uh, can come out so- sooner if it if you want it to, and the implants are up to three years. And it just means that once they're in, they're going to be very effective. IUDs had a had a terrible run for a while, didn't they? Because of all sorts of tricky issues. They years did. Ago. I mean, the you copper, and I, the are... copper seven and all this. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there'll be a generation of listeners who will say, "Oh, oh no, no they way! Will. I, there's no way that I would advise my kids to do that." That's right, or whatever. And uh, the one we think about is actually a terrible one, which was the Dalcon Shield. The I don't Dalcon know if you remember Shield. that. Yes, I do. Mm. And that was absolutely associated with horrible infections. It's long gone. So we've come a very long way with IUDs. And there's two types. That we've still got copper IUDs, actually, mm. but we've got hormonal IUDs. And they're very safe. And we can use them, you know, from teenagers up to, you know, menopause. <laughs> so excellent. It's fair to say that's right, that there's been a complete turnaround in, in IUD use. And they're now... Then would they now be a leading they, choice for they women? They are. They are. I mean, we we still lag a little bit behind some of the other sort of you know equivalent countries, the US and the UK, in terms of our uptake of these long-acting methods. But we're certainly getting there, and they are a number one choice. I mean, again, it's contraception is all, all about choice. We want people to have as many choices as possible to find something that that suits them, mm. uh, and and of course it comes with having a procedure. You need to have it inserted by a doctor. It's not just picking up a pill at the, mm. the pharmacy. Um, uh, but so some people, you know, that's a great thing for them and other people say, oh, you know, I'm not quite ready for that. But we know that when we talk to women about these IUDs, they really like the idea of them. So, you know, yes, they're very So popular. you say with modern IUDs, they can, they, can, they can sit in there for 
What did you say? Ten years? Up to ten years. That's a copper type. And then we've got these hormonal ones, which are up to five years. Still a so long time, isn't it? It's a long time. And that's great because you don't have to and think women, about it. Women basically, they, they, they like them, do they? I mean, they're not... They're not, they're not I mean, I assume nothing's trouble-free, but... No, look, everything, and that's the whole point of talking with your doctor around the pros, the cons, the possible side effects that you might get. And, and everyone who's choosing a method, including an IUD, needs to know what those possible side effects might be. And some women won't like it. They won't like that with a copper IUD, they might get heavier periods, or mm. with a hormonal IUD, they may get side effects. So we've got to let them know what they are. What's an implant? That's a good question. So a contraceptive implant is like a little matchstick. I know some people don't know what matchsticks are. A little matchstick-sized uh, rod mm. that just we, we insert it just under the skin of the upper inner arm. Uh, in New Zealand, there's two rods, but we just use a single rod. Mm. And it releases over, over that three years a steady, steady dose of, of what we call a, progest- a progestogen hormone, which is similar to the hormones in the body. And that stops does that sound ovulation. A bit, does that sounds a bit disfiguring, is it or not? Oh, not at all. Right. <laughs> I mean, so it, it's an important thing. And I must say, some of the research we've done, you know, I've talked to women who say, oh, that's not for me. <laughs> you know, they feel very worried about it. When you it. say inserted, what do you mean inserted? Yeah. I mean, your upper arm is a, <laughs> not a thing for insertion. Things in. No, we just have a, a very small little sort of cannula and we thread it, I suppose, is the way to describe it rather than inserting it. So it's mm. threading it just under the skin. So you can actually just feel it. And some people find that a bit disconcerting, but that's so we can know it's there and take it out when, mm. when it needs to come out. But it just it sits under the, under the skin and it's a very effective method of contraception. And some people would rather have something in the arm than something in the uterus. Mm. So, again, it's all about choice. Yeah. Uh, is, um, <laughs> well, is there an advantage to one or the other apart from Look, lo- its location? I mean, I mean that, that may well be a choice. Yeah. I mean, that may be a preference in terms of location. They're I get very that. effective. Both are very effective. Um, but I do actually think that it does come down to that personal choice. We, we used to think that IUDs were only suitable for women who'd had children mm. uh, and they couldn't possibly be used because of the risk of infection, which we now know is not the case. Uh, couldn't be used by, by young women. They wouldn't tolerate them. But we know that's not the case. And in fact, we've just now we've got some smaller IUDs, which are easier to put in and, and uh, you know, they stay in the uterus very well. Mm. So it does come back, come down to that choice. But the other thing with contraceptives is that they have some other added benefits. So the IUD, the hormonal IUD, is really good for women with heavy periods, for instance. Uh, it can be used as for women at the time of menopause as well if they're having hot flushes. So there's other other sort of benefits. So all of those go into that decision-making about mm. what's going to suit you. Okay, so you're, you're the, well, the expression you used was long-acting reversible methods, LARCs. Yes. Which IUDs and implants, uh, th- these are the leading uh, choice these days, are they? No, look, at, when we say leading choice, no, they, they can be a first choice. But in Australia, we still actually have... Most of the women in Australia using contraception still use a pill. I was going to say, what happened to the venerable pill? <laughs> the pill is still the, there. The, the, the little pill that changed the world by, yeah. when it was developed in the late 60s, what, what, or middle 60s, I think it was. when, when uh, It was 61 it came to Australia, actually. Yeah, yeah. And it did. It changed, the, it changed the lives of women everywhere, I think, uh, in all sorts of ways. Is, that, is it still, is it still a, 
a thing? The pill is still a thing, and it's important to know since 1961 we've really brought down the doses of hormones so they're much safer than they were, mm-hmm. uh, got far fewer side effects. Uh, but again, the key thing with the pill is you've still got to take it every day. <laughs> so, mm. And we know that... And, you know, you can have a phone app now to remind you to take it. Uh, But we know that some people prefer something that they don't have to remember to take every day. And we know that, you know, you can have the failure rate of the pill, we say, up to around about seven in 100 women can fall pregnant in a year. Well, even if they take the pill faithfully. If they take it, absolutely perfectly. Mm. Uh, But then there can be other things. They may be taking another medication that can interfere with it. There's a few things. You're saying it's got a 7% failure rate even if you take it perfectly. No, no, that's typical use. That's what we say in everyday life. No, it's... It's okay. overnight, so less than 1% if, if people are taking it oh, okay. perfectly. So it's, mm. it's, it's a very effective method. But some people, I must say, Philip, there's a real move in the world to, to move away from hormones. People are looking at methods where you know, they haven't got hormones. Now I'm talking about those LARC methods. They've still mm. got hormones, but they've got lower doses. And so the quest is to, to have effective methods, uh, but, but lower doses of hormones. But not about putting stuff in your body. That's right. Which, That's right. Which, is, which, which chimes with the times, so. <laughs> it, it does, and I think it's really important that we're having these you know, discussions around it. Mm, okay. All right, so uh, then there are all the old-fashioned things. Well, <laughs> then there are things that are still around, I presume, which don't actually work, the barrier <laughs> methods. For well, example, diaphragms. <laughs> now, they've been around forever, haven't they? They've been around for a very long time, and they've ch- we've got a newfangled sort of, it's a very attractive purple-coloured diaphragm, a one-size-fits-all diaphragm. Look, they, when I talked about failure rates before, so the diaphragm, in you know, when you use it typically, mm-hmm. it's up to 18 women in 100 will become pregnant in a year. That's quite a lot. So it doesn't really work. <laughs> so it doesn't really work. So, but That's look, a lot. That's I, getting on for a 20% failure rate. I, 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 again, so it's, it's a lot. But I know that, I know when I was a, a young doctor, I was always amazed that people would choose to use a diaphragm. But in fact, maybe as long as people are making, you know, they've got the information, they're, perhaps they're ambivalent, they don't mind if they get pregnant. Maybe they're in their late 40s and, you know, the, the risk of pregnancy decreases dramatically, although it's not nothing and people can be caught out. But again, it's just working out. People don't want hormones. They want something they can control themselves and perhaps they don't mind. There's as, a bit of mucking around with diaphragms. There's a lot it? of mucking around with diaphragms, those springing across All the room. All of which has to occur at the, at the, at the you know... At a moment when your probably mind is elsewhere. Well, that's the same as condoms, of course. So, mm. you know, just needing to sort of actually have them on the body or in the body because mm. now we've got a female condom as well, uh, but needing to, to use them at that particular time and that's where things can fall down. What's but, a female condom? Sometimes we call it an internal condom. So they've been around for a while. They've, they haven't had a great success story. There's been a lot of sort of negative sort of thoughts around them, but in fact they're quite good. So it's a, a condom that's inserted into the vagina by the woman, so mm. it's woman-controlled, so that's great. Um, they did used to make a bit of a rustling noise, which could be a bit off-putting, but in fact the new material now is called a nitrile. It doesn't make that noise. Um, and look, in some in some It's a complete barrier method, isn't it? It's a complete barrier method. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, you know, you need that to navigate that with a partner as well. So, but it's certainly, you know, again, we just want to have all these different methods available, and, and certainly in some countries they are really a really important method. Um, they're a bit expensive, I have to say here. So, mm. but we did do a lovely study, and women like them. <laughs> why would you even? Why? Why are diaphragms even available? 
If they've got a 20% failure rate. Yeah, 18. <laughs> um, because it is, well, I'll say actually when the, the company actually, I remember it was maybe it was 15 years ago or something, uh, decided to remove them altogether. There was a huge outcry from, from women who this was their chosen method of contraception. So as long as they're making that informed choice, um, you know, that's, we want them to be able to, to, to make that choice. So you're we saying this may be from women who wouldn't necessarily regard it as catastrophic if they did become pregnant. And I think that's a very good point. Uh, mm. So, you know, we do know that perhaps, um, perhaps you know, it would be used by some women who, who maybe would say, look, if I was to become pregnant, either I would continue that pregnancy or I would have an abortion or termination. And maybe, you know, sometimes we know finances may come into that. So it may be women who, you know, feel that they have the capacity to, to manage that. So mm. I think it's around ensuring as us as doctors, you know, that we, we do give that, that information to women so they really do know what they're What, what they're about choosing. condoms? Do they work? <laughs> Look, they do, they do. They do. Again, you know, if they use perfectly, Philip, you know, right. 98% effective. So Really? 98%? Yep. Yeah, yeah. But we know that, you know, typically... Typically, it's less than that because they don't go on at the right time, or they slip off, or occasionally they break because someone's using a, you know, an oil, an oil or something like that from the bathroom that's going to break them. Um, but there are some new developments in male condoms, and I must say, I've been waiting, I'm waiting, waiting. So there's some marvelous people from fellows from Wollongong University who won a, a, the Bill, a Bill Gates Challenge, and they've developed a new material which transmits body heat, and it's sort of, you know, just a much more attractive sounding. Um, Condom, so hopefully that will come soon. But condoms are really important because they also prevent sexually transmitted infections. That's right. They've got. They've got uh, in 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 these this day and age. Actually, they've that's that's probably one of their main attractions in a way, isn't it? It is. So when we're talking to women about using lark, then we do say, you know, obviously if you've got a new partner, and use condoms at the same time. So uh, and that, that's a way of doubling up on, on that. But no, condoms still have a really important play, past a place. So in terms play. of prescriptions or, or doctor's advice, what, what would you say? Would the, the pill would still be number one, would it? Uh, well, the pill is number one in terms of what people are using. Yeah, no, that is a minute in terms of total use, yeah. Yeah, so to, yes, it's around about 33%, in fact, of, of women are using a pill. And in fact, it's you know, interesting now we've got um, a new pill in Australia. We're a bit slow in Australia to get methods that are used in other countries. So it, we've got a lot of regulations. <laughs> so the TGA is sometimes, hopefully things are changing, but it, we can be quite slow at approving things um, a, a, progesterone pill that's been used in New Zealand for many years you know we've got an equivalent but it took a long time to get here so we could do with sort of you know speeding things up there Uh, but we've got this this new pill now and in Scotland and various other places around the world that's available just over the counter from a pharmacy so again we're wanting to look at ways to improve access as well and and there's some online services for pills now as well so that's Mm. interesting. Professor Deborah Bateson's Bateson's with us from the Faculty of Medicine and Health at the University of Sydney. We're talking about contraception. One of the the things that's always not bedeviled, but I mean, that's one of the key issues, I suppose, for young people, particularly teenagers, sexually experimenting, of course, has been they don't want to discuss this with their parents. And it's always been very difficult to Mm. know where to go because if you talk to your friends, well, you're getting the same rubbish advice that you're probably getting from anywhere else. So is it easier these days for teenagers to get advice? 
I think it, it's a combination of easier and harder <laughs> mm. because, of course, the internet is so, you know, Dr. Google yeah, and yeah. you can go down so many rabbit holes and certainly, you know, young people, it, I think the biggest skill that we can give them really is to to, to understand how to navigate mm. the internet, to find yourself to a credible site like a family planning website or, a, you know, a government, New South Wales health website or a government, you know, in, in the state or territory you're in. So I think that's the, the, the best service because for us as parents to keep up with all the options is, is challenging and having that conversation can be difficult and, and maybe you know young people just don't want to have it with us. So I think pointing people in the, young people in the right direction to get that credible information is really great. Uh, and then it's around, you know, we want them to, to have that, feel that autonomy and feel empowered. We know that it can be hard for parents to let go of their, their teenagers. They've always looked after their health care, but we want, you know, young people to be able to go to the doctor themselves. They can get their own Medicare card from the age of 15 and to that have that sort of understanding of what questions to ask to work out what's best for them. So, uh, I th- But I think we have come a long way and there's some great information that's really accessible. For but you. I guess where, where you live in Australia probably is highly dependent on whether the information is available, isn't it? If you live in regional Australia, we're seeing a doctor's Difficult at yes. the best of times. Yeah, so the information's there online, but you can't match that sometimes with the services. Mm. So so the the rural divide that we have in terms of reproductive health, whether that's contraception, all sorts of things, and, and just getting in to see a doctor and a sexual health clinic, for instance, uh, is quite stark. So I think that's something... But these just, IUDs yeah. and implants have to be put in by... By people who know know what they're doing, they you do. Can't but put one them of in the, you can't put them in yourself, and you mm. shouldn't take them out yourself either. Mm. But we're, what we're really striving for now is that we know, obviously, GPs are very busy. They've got a lot on their plate, mm. and nurses are perfectly. You know, we've, we have nurses, marvelous nurses at family planning clinics, where they've been putting in IUDs and implants for many many years, very effectively. And we really want to want that to happen in general practice as well. So so, and that means that you know we've got fabulous work, nurses working in rural areas, and and they could certainly fill some of those gaps. Mm. Uh, Liz from Ballarat says, I guess diaphragms are available because everyone thinks they'll be in the 80% success group. <laughs> well, that's probably true, isn't it? That is true. Yeah, mm. that is, well, that is the thought that people think their method is 100, always 100% effective. Anne so. says, I use the Billings method. What's that? Excellent question. So this is what we sometimes call, refer to as natural family planning. There's a whole suite of... Oh, this of, is when you guess when your cycle, where, where well, you're at you're, in your, when you're your menstrual... It, yes. You plot your menstrual cycle and so yes. you think, okay, well, I'll, you know, I won't have sex on the days when I could yeah. be fertile. And there's different ways of doing that. You can do that through your calendar, you know, plotting your, your periods. You can do it by testing the mucus at the cervix and, and testing your temperature. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, it's been around you know, age-old times. The key thing with these natural family planning methods and the Billings method is you have to be very dedicated to it. And, and people are, of course. So, like, like if, they a, are, if you are dedicated, does it work? It can, it can work. It t- you have to accumulate quite a lot of data and you just have to be also very dedicated to to abstaining at the time or having protected sex. I mean, you could do Mm. that, but you just need to make sure that, uh, you know, you're not having unprotected sex in in your fertile times now. But there are some, you know, there are some uh, challenges with it based on the assumptions, but certainly people, you know, do who follow this method um, can do it very successfully, but it does take a lot of application. And recently we've got an app. um, There's one called Natural Cycles, which was very exciting when it came out a few years ago. It's, It's 
it's um, and it means that you know people put that same instead of writing it in a book they put that same information into the app and then that, there's a predictive algorithm which which says you know green for go and red for no mm. um, but I must say I talked to young women who were very excited about it and they didn't realize it did mean abstinence for some of those t- those times sometimes opt up to you know 10 days in a month well, a typical period would be what about 10 days yeah, yes well it's yes mm. it's it's those sorts of times so but again you know it's important we would always ensure that someone had training in it and got you know proper training in it to make it make it effective mm. a lot of these things are difficult in families aren't they particularly when there are religious and cultural issues i mean you know famously the Catholic religion, of course, had forbidden contraception. This was an issue back in the 60s and 70s until it emerged that pretty much Catholic women used contraception about the same as everybody else uh, when, when it came down to it. Uh, I don't know whether that's the case with other religions that are that are perhaps more, more strict about it, but uh, f- finding opportunities to speak to women on their own, is, mm. that, is that tricky? Yes, it can. I mean, sometimes, obviously, we're a very diverse country, and and well, many yeah, of my we, are, these days, we are many of my patients over the years, you know, have come from from countries where maybe, you know, maybe actually husbands have had to make you know give consent around con- contraception and make decisions, mm. and and sometimes I'll see women, you know, with six, seven or more children. Who are and you know really don't want any more, and they're a bit tired <laughs> sometimes. Mm. But sometimes they will come with their their husband, and often in a very loving relationship, and you know no coercion uh, that's obvious. But I'll always want to be able to talk uh, to the woman on her own, and it's interesting actually, Philip, that you asked that because now a lot of our medicine. We've changed now to to um, carrying out telemedicine, you know, consultations, which is opening up access for people. Oh. But it is interesting because it means sometimes that if I'm wanting to talk to someone on their own, I don't always know that they are on their own. So, yeah. so that can be interesting. But I think it's you know, it's always about just ensuring that women do have that information to make decisions themselves and 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 you know sometimes you know women I do know will make a decision that they you know they know that their partner their husband's not going to agree to to contraception and and you know they hear from friends they talk to doctors they they do find out that there are methods that they could use which they could hide from partners and you know I know people may find that challenging but I think it's you know again it's about mm. empowering women in their lives mm. Let's talk about men. Uh, the uh, <laughs> apart from the barrier methods such as condoms, of course, men can have vasectomies. That, and I, I, I don't know. Are they are they popular these days, or more popular? Yeah, they were. They've always been there, haven't they? And they're of course one hundred percent effective. But uh, I don't know. I mean, a significant proportion of men probably. Uh, balk at this. <laughs> yeah, look, it's interesting. Australia's always had a very high rate of vasectomy, actually, and there's a slight okay. increase. Uh, I'm not sure it's re- how it's really looking, but there is, does appear to be a slight, a slight increase, and that's often due to you know vasectomy champions, you know, who <laughs> talk about it at the you know the barbecue, etc. And, and so certainly, no, it is it is a relatively popular method. And I know when we were we opened up a vasectomy clinic in in a rural area, and and men were flocking to it. In fact. Mm. There needs to be that understanding that you can't always reverse it. So there is, you know, some mythology around that. There is a bit of mythology, isn't mm. there? Is, mm. is, yes. is the truly reversible vasectomy 
available? Is it with us? I mean, have there been advances in surgery so that now you can say, yes, there is a method for making it truly reversible? So it's a a good question you're asking, actually, because uh, so for years we've been talking about these male methods and and the reality is there's just been, we've got all the science, but we haven't had the investment in them, the Mm. the male pill, for instance. But with vasectomy, uh, it's been over a decade, I suppose, there's been animal experience of a a reversible vasectomy. And what that means is putting little, little inserts into each of the vas deferens so mm. it carries the sperm and temporarily that's the, that's the vessel that's cut that's and tied right off. that's right so a reversible vasectomy would means you reconnect them well here not you're not even cutting them so what right. you're doing is putting a little implant like a, pl- a little a little a plug ins, a plug, a plug mm. into each of those vas vases mm. uh, until you decide that you want to take them out and usually it's around two years later and there's an experiment well, I shouldn't say an experiment a clinical trial with humans with men happening here in Australia and I have to say that is terrific news because a lot of these male methods as I say they get to the the stage where we know they can work but we can't can't get them to market. So this is this is an exciting thing because I think there is a myth around that and to have a truly reversible uh, vasectomy would be a fabulous thing. But it's not here yet. But not quite yet. <laughs> well, let's take a call or two. Was, g'day. You've had, was, you've had the chop? Oh, mate, I had it in 1991 when I was with my uh, first wife. Yeah. Uh, basically, she was a baby machine and we already had three and we didn't want any more. So, um, but look, I'm going to... I'm going to flip the coin here. Oh, sorry. Good evening to the doctor. Yeah. Good evening. Should be polite. Should be polite. Um, <laughs> Phil, I'm going to flip the coin a little bit. Um, like I said, I had it in 1991. Now, that's 32 years ago. Now, work this out. I've got a 14 and 11-year-old girls, which mm-hmm. are my girls. That, uh, so, anyway, I had to, I originally had the uh, job done because... Um, my former partner had a history of um, women's problems, you might say, to, so to say. Mm-hmm. So then I've gone and met my new wife. Right? And I said to her at the time when we first met, if you want kids, there's the door, don't let it hit you in the back of the head on the way out. But <laughs> push comes to shove. Um, I made the decision to have more children. Now, you're talking about reversible vasectomies. Well, I, I didn't have a reversible. Um, we went through IVF, mm. and they went in and extracted some sperm. Oh, okay. Um, oh, right. Oh, okay, right. Right. Now, right. Got it. Got now, you. Yeah, yeah. now, anyway, um, cut long story short, our first attempt was an absolute disaster. Now, the doctor would know what this is. Uh, the first attempt, the poor little uh, baby had trisomy 18, which is a very... Mm. Very nasty thing. I won't go into details, but mm. it's, it's a very bad deformity with mm. you know, mm. with the fetus and like that. So anyway, we went through two more. We had two successful pregnancies. And um, anyone or any man out there thinking about a vasectomy, it doesn't change the way it works. It doesn't change anything at all. It's completely, oh, it's basically painless. You're only off, you know, you're only off the floor for a couple of days these days, and I think it's if you care about your partner and you love your partner, I think it's the best and the quickest, easiest way to do it. Because yep. it does solve a lot of problems with the lady later on in life too, as far as menopause and all that sort of thing. I just think it's a much easier for the man to do it than the, than the lady. Okay. You know? All right, Boz. Well, thank you, mate. Um, 
Yeah, I, look... You're a great advocate for vasectomy, <laughs> yes, I have to say, and, and you've raised a really good point that you can yeah. actually extract the sperm and sometimes people will freeze those sperm. But, so it doesn't um, mean you can never have kids? Again. No, I mean, look, there is a concept of something called anti-sperm antibodies, so which, but, you know, again, we hear plenty of success stories like you've just, just mm. told us, uh, so you can't guarantee it. And again... Uh, perhaps you've had a younger a younger partner. We know that if you have a vasectomy and then your your, your female partner's getting older, then then that can mean your chances of pregnancy reduce, mm. of course. But but I agree. I think you know that's important to know about. It can be a bit expensive sometimes, and certainly putting the mic all the tubing back together can be a bit expensive. But you know, it's it's just to be aware of the realities. But I'm I'm really pleased to hear that from. from Is it you. more popular than now than than I mean, are rates of a vasectomy increasing or not? They do they do appear to be increasing, and I okay. think it's partly because. Men are saying, you know, like like I call it, you know, it's it's my turn to do it. Perhaps, you know, your partner's having, as you say, it's the gentlemanly thing to do. Yeah, well, and and just wanting to play that role uh, in in contraception. Mm. So maybe just you know buying the pill for your partner. But it's, I think it's a, it's mm. a good thing. Bob from Echuca. G'day, Bob. Oh, hello. Um, hello, good evening to you both. I'm just ringing about the ovulation method yeah. and Evelyn and John Billington came to our country town and oh, uh, and uh, I married a Catholic and um, we, I have never taken the pill or any form of a contraceptive and we planned our children and the ovulation method was amazing and we were able to record my symptoms, take my temperature, do the graph. My husband did the graph and we did, and we planned each of children and what month we would like to have them. We had four children and and it's such a beautiful thing to do something like that together. Share so it all that. worked well yes. for you, Bob. That's fantastic it, to hear. It walked amazing. Yeah. It was wonderful. And um, um, not only that, um, like, you know, just doing that together um, and then... Um, then afterwards, like when you're like after menopause, like I mean, and after we can't fall pregnant, it's it's such a beautiful time in your marriage and as well. So I just oh, and I don't think enough women know enough that you know they're not taught enough about how their bodies work hmm. and how and and you don't have to take medication or okay. tablets or anything. And I I just advocate that. So much. It, it worked was, for you, Barb. That's the that's the important it thing. It did. I mean, is this one of the points you're making? You've got to find something that works for you. I think that's right. And and but I also I shouldn't say but and I also think you've raised that good point of understanding your bodies, and that's mm. why women are attracted to mm. to apps now to to track their periods and just know. I mean, I'm delighted that that people are using these just to understand their bodies. Mm. So so thank you for that, John from Osman. Hello, John. Uh, hi, hi, Phil. I, I just thought I'd say that uh, I had a vasectomy. It's got to be more than 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, at my wife's request, she was sick of um, being responsible for, for it all. Um, yeah. con- contraception, and uh, we had a couple of kids. That was all good. Um, I sort of thought about the, um, you know, being run over by a bus sort of situation, and something else might happen in my, my life that might mean that uh, I needed to have it reversed. So I found a microsurgeon mm. who had a history of reversing these things uh-huh. and I went and had the job done by him on the basis of passing over the responsibility of reversal if ever needed. Did he give you a written fellow. guarantee, framed guarantee, John? <laughs> no, not exactly, not exactly. But it, it didn't make any difference to, uh, let's say, the function. Yeah. And he did, did give me... a he did give me a story, which I think he probably made up, 
about, you know, someone like Alexander the Great or something to enhance his sex life, having gone off and had a, a similar operation. But uh, I, I didn't believe that. And, um, <laughs> and fortunately, I never, I never needed the reversal. And the bloke, the bloke who did it in the first place is probably long ago retired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah nice story. Nice story. Thanks, John. Uh, it is a good point, though, because I know some men do worry about, you know, it's going to have an impact on their their potency, their sex lives, and so it's well, really great Well, they don't want anything to, to change. I mean, they right. don't want any of their physical yeah. function, yeah. in that sense, to be compromised. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's unreasonable, is it? No, I think that's... it's very reasonable to, to, to uh, again, understand. <laughs> Although most <laughs> people who have had vasectomies do report that it doesn't make any difference at all. No, and it can be liberating. I think that's Alexander mm. the Great, perhaps. <laughs> my texter says, I was back on the job three hours and 47 minutes after my vasectomy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do in cultural situations where women... I mean, you, have you had this experience where women say, look, I'm under great pressure just to get pregnant. I don't want to. Uh, I mean, I don't yeah. want any more kids. I've had, four, yeah. I've had four or five yeah. and I don't want any more. Yeah. And, no, I, uh, I hear it. How do you deal with that? <laughs> well, again, so we've got this term now that we, we call, there's, there's a gradation of it, but this term reproductive coercion where we do know that women sometimes can be coerced into yeah. having another baby, not having another baby, having IVF, not having, you know, all sorts of, all sorts of things. Um, and I think, again, it is around, it's around that communication and talking with her uh, and, and finding out what she really does want and, and, you know, providing that information. It's all about empowering, empowering someone to, to, you know, live, live their, the way that they want to live, but, and so Sometimes what I'll do then is is also talk to someone's partner as well. So uh, it you know it's very varied, but it is all about you know empathic listening to people and people's individual lives. Mm. My GP said the Billings method was overrated, says my texter. But he said you can choose the sex of your child by using it. Oh yeah, <laughs> that is an old furphy, isn't it? <laughs> That's a furphy. <laughs> That's a furphy. <laughs> it might teach. I think one of the one of the things probably that it is useful for, even though it's probably not a very reliable method of contraception um is that it it for for women it may be very instructive in terms of of understanding a lot more about your body i think that's right i think that's right and and you know young women are are wanting to do that as well which is great because it's true at school you really don't you know you learn all about what not to do and you know method how things work but you don't learn about how your body and what how your body works and what's normal and what what's not normal so mm. that's really important these days you've got all sorts of complicated problems in contraception too with trans issues as well <laughs> i would imagine do you well yes trans so, men trans, tra- trans men, men trans, trans women trans um, men have need contraception yeah so it's really important uh, you know again as a doctor obviously i'm seeing gender diverse people Mm. sexuality diverse people and and in fact there's a lot of misinformation uh, amongst the trans male or trans population around the need for contraception so these are a trans man may may have been taking hormones uh, testosterone uh, may have had surgery may have not uh, maybe anywhere on that spectrum, but certainly for, for someone who's embarked on testosterone therapy, there can be misinformation because your periods would stop. So mm-hmm. you've got a uterus, you've got a vagina, but you don't have any periods and you think, oh, look, I'm not can going to still get, get pregnant. Preg- and you can still get pregnant. Really? And the body's very resilient. The body it? is very resilient. And in fact, we don't, you know, that that 
taking that testosterone hormone wouldn't be good for the pregnancy. So you wouldn't want that to happen. So you do want, you know, trans men to be aware um, of that need to use contraception. But again, it's uh, in fact, I was lucky enough to be involved in the first guidelines here actually around uh, contraception for trans men and trans women. And because for a trans, a, a trans man, you know, who doesn't want any bleeding, mm. that could cause distress. So we don't want to use a method of contraception that's going to cause troublesome bleeding. So mm. we have to... You know, think about the methods carefully. And in fact, what we were talking about before, one of those hormonal IUDs could be a very good uh, good approach, in fact. So, uh, so yes, important, important. Just before we get off the topic of men, too, by the way, the, the idea of the male pill, you say, you say there's no problem with the science. They've worked out how to do it. It's just that there's not a lot of clinical, not clinical, but there's not a lot of pharma interest in That's bringing right. these things to market. So the the last one that was probably the most successful in a way was the injections. So men were willing to have injections, but there was a lot of sort of laughter in the newspapers, I suppose, when you know men had were complaining of side effects like a headache and maybe they had a bit of a you know a sore arm and they stopped the trial, um, which sounded you know like a, a sort of you know fun thing to talk about. But in fact, it was you know there are serious things. You're weighing up the the pros and the cons and the and the you know you've got to work out, you know, are men going to use it? But in fact, we do know that men will use it. We've still got to make sure that it's, you know, the benefits are in in their favour. But it is that lack of investment. So I think the pharma companies, and it's the same with women's methods of contraception, there's a lot of regulation. And there just isn't that feeling that they're, you know, that they're going to take off. But hopefully that's going to change and we need that investment. Mm. That's contraception, not having a baby. If you have one and you don't want one, termination, abortion, is legal everywhere in Australia now, isn't it? It is. Look, the last state uh, where there's still a part of the is in the de- is not decriminalised is Western Australia, but everywhere else is. So it's, is, it's still not been decriminalised in Western. Uh, they're just for later later gestation. So there's still some advocacy going on around that, but in every other state and still still in Western Australia, you can access a you know a legal. Abortion. Mm. When, you, when, when we say it's legal, that, that doesn't necessarily mean it's easy to access, though, does no, it? No. So, so I mean, what that does mean is that women and doctors are not at risk of so, criminal, so criminal just, prosecution. Just one thing, it has been decriminalised everywhere except for this limited case in Western Australia. And that's just over, you know, later yeah. later gestation. So, mm. yes, so, so doctors and women are not going to, to face criminal prosecution. if they're Anywhere in Australia. Anywhere in Australia. But it hasn't always translated into you know, improved access. So, mm. And that's what we need to work on um, because there's two types of, of um, approaches to abortion. So surgical abortion, so mm. having a you know, light anaesthetic and a, a, a small surgical procedure. Or now we've, since 2013, in fact, I think it was Tanya Plibersek actually put the, uh, the drugs on the PBS in 2013, medical abortion has been available this as well. This is the RU486 drug, is it? Yes, that was when it was experimental name. So now it's called Mifepristone because it's right. a well-established World Health Organization essential drug and, and it's combined with another drug and those can be prescribed potentially you know, by a GP uh, or a clinic mm-hmm. and those drugs are taken at home. So you have the abortion process at home. Um, uh, but that's only up to nine weeks, and you know it can still be you know out of out of out of reach financially for people. Uh, they may have no GP near them that's Did going you say to prescribe it. Was on the, it. It's on the PBS, is it? Yes, but still, there's extra costs added on. So the the cost of the drugs is cheap, but the medical abortion itself can sometimes cost around four hundred dollars. Why? 
Uh, because it's provided in a clinical setting, in a service setting. So you don't take you, you, I thought you said you just took it, took it home. Yes, but you still have to have it prescribed within right. the setting. Now, there are certain services, family planning services, where you do, you know, you're just paying that cost of the drugs or just a small fee after that, but certainly it can be out of reach. And surgical services can very much be out of financial reach, So, and but also just not available. So if you are in New South Wales... You know, the, you would need to go through a private clinic pretty much. There's very little public hospital access. Mm-hmm. And that will, you know, if you're in a rural area particularly, there's no clinics in rural areas and you'd have to travel to Sydney. No, or... there wouldn't be many clinics in rural areas. Mm-hmm. Here's a thing I hear, which I think you wanted to talk about this, that, that well, you can, you can explain the reasons, that it's not widely available in public hospitals, mm. abortion. Yeah. Even though it's a, a legitimate and legal procedure... Getting one in a public hospital mm. is difficult, if not, in fact, if not impossible. In some places, it's almost impossible. Why, so, why is that? Um, look, I think, I think it, it stems back to the days where it was in the Crimes Act, but we just haven't moved. And we're not saying that all abortions have to happen in public hospitals. Absolutely not. They can happen in a community setting and those can be funded and, and subsidised. But there are some women who really, you know, for medical reasons, they need to be in a hospital setting. Uh, There are some women who really, they can't access a a funded abortion or an access, you know, homeless women, for for instance. And I must say, for me as a doctor, I've spent many, many hours, days, you know, advocating for women in very difficult circumstances to be able to have an abortion in a public hospital. And it also means that GPs who are providing medical abortion if they need to send uh, their patient to hospital, that can also be challenging. So I think we just need to, to really open up that access, but make what, it part the, of what's normal the, What's healthcare. the resistance? What, why isn't it available? Uh, I, I, Is it because, what, hospitals won't do it or their doctors won't do it or...? There's, there's a co- whole combination of things. So I think traditionally, you know, there have been champion doctors in some hospitals, but if you lose those champions, then there's no one there that wants to, wants to provide that service. So I think we just have to overcome those barriers. There's some hospitals that do do that, and South Australia is notable, so the hospitals in, in South Australia provide them, and, and also in the Northern Territory, I have to say. So, so there are good examples around the country, but there are other states and territories where it's, you know, it's really very very, very difficult access and we need to I'm change I'm surprised that. by this. So you're saying that there are doctors, even though this is a legitimate medical procedure advised by uh, a patient's doctor that they should, they should undergo this procedure, it's perfectly legal, yep. that there are doctors who say I won't do it? Uh, the conscientious objection is there, so that's, you know... But we, you're saying it's widespread? Because uh, if public hospitals won't do I it. I don't think that's conscientious objection. I think sometimes it's really just... Uh, being perhaps a bit worried about the floodgates opening, but that's not what we're after. We're wanting, just wanting transparent what, sorry, what, pathways. What, what floodgates? Oh, that you know, suddenly everyone who wanted an abortion would come into a, a hospital, and that's not going to be the case. We just need to have that hospital access, and there's just been some barriers to it, and we need to overcome those barriers now. That's interesting, isn't it? Uh, so mostly they're done in private clinics? Mostly in private clinics. Overwhelming, sorry, not mostly, overwhelmingly. Overwhelmingly in private clinics. I mean, except at, in what, some states. At some substantial cost. At some substantial cost. And, you know, to waive or get a, a 
a cheaper abortion can be very challenging. Um, so family planning in New South Wales, there's one clinic where you can do that. But, you know, thinking about the rest of the state, thinking around, around the rest of Australia, it can be very hard indeed. There are some notable hospitals where they provide fantastic services. So the Royal Hospital for Women in, in Melbourne provides fantastic services. But we just need more of them and we want women to be able to actually access a service that's close well, to their gonna, home. What's going to make it change? Uh, well, I think I think we just need to put pressure and just make people aware that actually, you know, that there is this uh, inequity, and it's particularly the case for women in rural areas. Uh, mm. And you know, they, they also, if they're coming to a private service, they've got travel costs, they've got accommodation costs. And so it's really just raising that awareness. And, of course, we've got plenty of willing doctors who want to provide that service. They, they're willing to undertake the training, but we just need to make the system, make the systems work. Mm. Hi, Mark. Hello. Hello. Yep. How are you? Hi. Very good, thanks. I just want to um, uh, um, share an experience I had mm. when um, I had a vasectomy. Mm-hmm. And then my wife said, no, hang on. I actually want kids now. Yep. And um, I said, oh, my God, I've got to go reverse. So I did the reverse, and it didn't work. So then um, I went to IVF, and the doctor said, ah, don't worry about these vasectomies and reverses. They don't, you know, it's not going to work. We'll go straight to the factory, which we call the um, aspiration in, in, in the hospital terms. Mm-hmm. So my wife then harvested the eggs. I did the aspiration and first circ- first cycle round, twins. <laughs> um, so uh, we're very happy indeed. <laughs> yes. Of course great. you're very happy, exactly. <laughs> Correct answer, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a, that's a great story and it's similar to our other caller as well. So you can, as you say, go to straight to the factory and get those sperm out. Uh, and yep. hopefully they're all in good nick. Um, and then, yep. as you say, then you, you know you, your wife did have to go through that IVF procedure, so that's a bit of a procedure. Correct. But you know, then you've got lovely twins, so so that's a very nice yep. story to hear. So. No, but sometimes people with low sperm counts think, oh, that's it, you know, game over. But it's not. Mm. Very good, good story. Thank you, lovely. Thank, Thank you, Mark. Thank okay. you. Bye bye. One three hundred eight hundred triple two is the number. Donna's texted saying hi about access to abortion services in hospitals. Some of these hospitals are run or have boards that have links to religious organisations, therefore making it impossible to perform terminations at the hospital. Is this actually the reason? That, uh, there's that's a combination. Holding it, that's holding it back? No, because I mean, certainly there are uh, faith-based hospitals and, and you know, we know that abortions are not going to occur in those hospitals. But there are plenty of other hospitals. Well, that's an interesting point, I mean, isn't it? You might say, is that a fair They're government-funded. The, they're, they're funded by the government, <laughs> but they're funded by the government. They're funded by the taxpayer. So you might say, well, they've got an obligation to... I would to... say no, um, because we know in Sweden, for instance, you nobody is actually able to hold a conscientious objection. No hospital <laughs> so can object on a, you know, a hospital level or a doctor on a personal level. So I do think that that's something to, um, you know, from my perspective, to aspire to. But I do so because, again, you know, if your local hospital, I mean, these are mainly hospitals, not in rural areas. They're mainly mm. in urban areas. So there are other options. So I think, you know, if we take a step at a time but I do think you know that is something and, and sometimes even getting contraception I know when I worked in a faith-based hospital you know women were coming for emergency contraception and, and we had when to... you say faith-based hospital it's not it's not faith-based it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's run, it made on the board yes are people of faith but it's not 
the hospital isn't faith-based. The hospital serves people of all faiths. Absolutely, absolutely. So or, I agree or, with you. Or, or the, 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 the slim majority of people in Australia who have no faith. Yep, yep. Well, I'm with you, Philip, in that really hospitals should be providing services that people need who they're serving. And this could easily be done at the stroke of a pen almost, couldn't it? Because the federal government uh, could simply say, well, you won't receive any funding unless yeah. you're, unless all medical services are available to everyone. Yeah, there, there have been some other barriers as well. Training has been a barrier, but look, Ranscog, the College of ONGs now, is really you know taking this in hand and making sure that all junior doctors are exposed to to abortion care and and you know again that those skills are developed. So there have been some other other barriers, but now is the time to to over, overcome them. But thank you for that question before. Hmm. Overall, what do you think? Is it is it, it? I mean, it's better than it used to be. Surely. It's better than it used to be. <laughs> it's better than it used to be, but it's not. I think there's an assumption when I speak to people, they think, "Oh, well, look, it's we've sorted it with the law," and make you know assume that we've sorted it in terms of access, and so can't quite believe it. Uh, you know what the hoops are that you've got to go through, particularly mm. you know, as I've mentioned many times, if you're in a, a rural area, and that's that's not equitable. Do you think, do you think, particularly amongst young people, that there is still widespread ignorance about how the body works and how you get pregnant, for example? <laughs> um, I look, at, we've got some fantastic books for young, you know, for children now, yeah, age-appropriate always, books. We've got all those. We've things. always had those, yeah. exactly. But I do think that you know we're just not very good at, at really understanding. And when I know, I you know, I've seen many, many young women who've been really almost sometimes, you know, unable to leave the house because they've, you know, been worrying about, you know, are they normal, you know, they've got a terrible smell or something like that and mm. because they just don't know their body mm. and they're too scared to go and ask about it. So I think we've come a long way, but I do think the internet is a mixed blessing because people can, as I mentioned before, go down rabbit holes and actually feel very unconfident in their body. So I think, you know, feeling confident in your body mm. is... Tar- you know, What's the website they could trust and rely on? Oh, look, I think the, fa- the family planning websites in your state right. um, are all excellent. Use those. Use yeah, those. yeah. Mm. So they're a good place to start. Um, government websites, um, you know, again, look at look at your state based uh, websites, but they've got credible information and okay. they've got tailored information as all well. All right, um, Deborah, it's been terrific. Thank you, um, Deborah Bates, is a professor of practice in the Faculty of Medicine and Health at the University of Sydney, and has been our guest tonight. Those family planning websites you can Google them are available in all the states. As well. Deborah, thank you very much for your time. A pleasure. It's been terrific. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife.